Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, and all things Star Wars. I am not your host, Adam Russell, but I am your host, Nick Ganbarian. And this is Mike Forster. Nick, you hey. did such a great job, dude. Wow, this is crazy. Why is Adam and our other co-host, Ryan Keenan, here? Um, why am I not with them? Why are we not all with them on the Emo's Not Dead cruise right now? That sounds fun. Fun That's- fact, Bayside was offered that show but we were unable to do it for uh, baby reasons. So, ah, okay. so yes, um, imagine that. You'd be here all alone if we, all of Thank the Maker was on that boat right now. Well, I think, uh, well, that could have been cool. I would have liked to go into that. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about uh, Emo's Not Dead uh, or the Emo's Not Dead cruise. This is the YouTube channel, Emo's Not Dead. I believe so. I think Matt Cutshaw has something to do with it. I don't know too much about it. It sounds fun. I've always wanted to play in a boat. Uh, There's something called the Rocks Off Cruise, which in New York, which is basically just like a three or four hour cruise around the Hudson. Like basically you you leave, go around the Statue of Liberty and come back. I've seen the Bouncing Souls, Mariachi La Bronx. Like that's not a cruise cruise. Like the one they're on right now is a couple days long and they get to hang out and I assume play a couple shows and uh, yeah, sold out. Looks awesome. Hopefully we get to do it eventually. I want to plan a boat. I'm on a boat. Um, okay, so but let's bring us back to shore here for a second. Because Bayside, since we last talked, came out with a new song. Oh, I'd love to talk about Bayside. Let's talk about it because the new song rips. It's very Thank heavy. You. It's very good. How has the reception been to this new bangerang of a track? Well, our fans are the best and we have like 100% success rate on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, like they love it. It's tough getting out of our bubble though, you know? Sure. So I'm watching the positive and negative of things these days is you could watch how your song is doing analytically. So I'm sure. just watching it only go so far. So if you're out there and you have heard it, keep listening. If you haven't heard it, give it a shot. Yeah. And if you've never heard us, good entry point. Listen to our new song called The Devils. <laughs> and is that like, is from a strategy standpoint, because this is a Punk and Emo uh, podcast, mm-hmm. um, is there like, are you at least seeing some of those alleys get crossed in regards to being like, you know, new rock rather than emo are you seeing some of that that, transition we had that that is our goal right now and we had that with how to ruin everything which uh we had the singer vice nine kills on we did have some crossover there and not so much since so 
we're doing our best, you know? All right. And then uh, like every other algorithm based social media or streaming service, everything is gate kept, you know, until you pay them. And it's a very, uh, it's a very Spotify literally has this, uh, they're, they're kind of pawning it off as a marketing tool, but it's a literal pay to play, uh, thing called spotlight. I want to say, um, where they're like, yeah, if you just give us a, a marketing budget, We'll recommend your songs to people. I'm like, oh. I don't know if that's legal, <laughs> but I guess it's marketing. They're, they're, sure. they're you know. So, so, what, know. so what you're telling everyone is to buy Spotify Premium and say, who recommended you? Uh, actually, Nick Ambarian from Bayside. Yeah, help uh, us out. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. But yeah, and we're going on tour in April. That's like five weeks away. Is there any uh, what what shows have what shows need to sell out? Let's put it that way. Like who are, who's lacking? Oh, right, they now? all do. <laughs> well, you know what? You know who's finally not in last place because I keep busting Sarah and Steven's balls about it. Houston was in like last place of like the entire tour, uh, okay. but they no longer are. I think Atlanta is in last place. Really? Um, yeah, I think San Diego is the first one that will sell out. So we'll see. Okay. It's all well, selling really well. We have a, a newer band opening called Winona Fighter. Then we have hey, like very I Winona Fighter's great. Yep. Our fans will love them. Yep. Uh, and then the middle of the bill is, you know, very nostalgic. It's Armor for Sleep and Finch. Sure. And then we have the nostalgia plus we are still creating new music. So yes. got yes. a lot of new and old going on on our yeah. tour. Yeah, this is great. And speaking of new things too, we got a new episode of mm. Bad Batch today, episode four, which did throw me for a loop because I realized that we had three episodes <laughs> yeah. to comb through. I was in bed last night, like at a very reasonable time, like maybe 10, 15, the latest I was in bed. And I forgot two times that Bad Batch was on at midnight. I fully forgot. I was like sitting there watching, um, I think I put on that Animaniacs reboot. I was watching <laughs> What We Do in the Shadows and I was like, oh shoot, it's, it's like mid- 1045. No, I'm like, it's 1045, Bad Batch is on soon. And then like 1145 rolls by and I'm like, I almost fell asleep. Bad Batch right. is on in 15 minutes. So I stayed up. Thankfully, it wasn't a three episode little run. It was just a 27 minute little banger. It was cool. I was getting a little scared until the end. Sure. Little, um, dare I say, uh, what do we call them on our bingo cards? Not monster of the week, but adventure of the week. Yeah. 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 Scared. It was adventure of the week. But I do think we just passed the precipice of it not being an adventure of the week. Sure. I agree with that. Because of how it ended. And I think, too, in regards to adventure of the week, there's always that part of how much of that is also character development in disguise. And I think in this one, this was pretty apparent that we got some serious development from uh, considering that Omega and Crosshair really haven't liked each other. They've never, they've really never been in this situation. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty awesome way to kind of see their tactics mash up together. Mm -hmm. You know what? This kind of seems like something for stolen plans. So I'm going to suggest that we get into it. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. I'm going to do it. I'm in control of the podcast. You do the button push which is actually amazing so if i'm doing an okay job uh out there if it seems like it's thank the maker adam the skull russell production level i want you to let me know in the comments please so make sure you like and subscribe and do all that stuff because i have to say that but uh most importantly i'm pushing the buttons so watch me push it what have you done with those plans
Debuted yesterday, February 27, 2024 on Disney Plus. The episode is called A Different Approach. And the Disney Plus description says, Stranded in dangerous territory, Omega and Crosshair must work together. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, runtime was 27 minutes. Directed by the vet Saul Ruiz. Written by Ezra Nachman. Story editor Matt McNovick. Mm-hmm. And uh, starring... Pretty much everyone reprising all their roles once again. We got Michelle Ang doing Omega, Dean Bradley Baker doing everybody. Um, and then the one newcomer, which, you know, I didn't recognize the voice right away, but, you know, doing research for the show, the Imperial officer named Captain Mann was voiced by Harry Lloyd, who um, is probably well known in the more nerdier uh, realms as Viserys Targaryen in oh, Game of Thrones. Yes, yes which is, uh, let's see, what that was Danny. Danny's brother that ended up uh, with a nice new gold hat. Okay. Uh, that uh, when I say gold hat, it means he was literally killed by basically being smelted. Oh, so um, that's different. He seems like a nice guy. Seems like a nice <laughs> guy. Uh, but that was pretty cool. I thought all in all the you know we had some very classic kind of Star Warsy uh, moments here. We had. Um, your corrupt imperial mm. uh, kind of pulling tricks on some backwater planet and kind of you know letting them know that uh, they are the authority here and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. You kind of this is a familiar theme, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think there's some interesting parts about this episode. Well, just going into the the description, I think we could start our discussion there with Omega and Crosshair needing to work together. And that power dynamic was very interesting because I do think that Crosshair really was hands off for me. He was letting Omega run the mission basically. Right. Right. But he was kind of like here and there. He was just like, I don't know if we should, but okay. (laughs) Which I think is, is pretty interesting, you know, like to just be that kind of, person in that scenario to be like, I think I know better, but okay, let's let the kid do it. And, you know, it all pretty much, uh, it worked out. Right, right. And an opportunity for her to let her skill shine because Crosshair obviously is aware that uh, he walks like a clone, talks like it looks like a clone, all of Mm -hmm. these things. And uh, he's, I think probably in his eyes too, he knows that he's probably a higher target to the Empire than Omega might be, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's literally murdered Imperial officers. He's, you know, he was a POW, but he's Mm -hmm. also got a ton of dirt on the former regime. I mean, everything about him knows that he's a guy who understands exactly uh, how quickly he would find his fate. Let's put it that way. Yeah, like I think he's expendable and Omega isn't, you know? Right. Like right. he's he could get a blaster bolt to the brain, but Omega couldn't. Right. I get that. No. Um, so we start this planet off. They're coming in on this ship that's just burning hot and they crash it, right? On this mm-hmm. on this planet called Lao, according to I don't know. We we're, I mean, we're based on the subtitles, the fact that the Imperial officer says it. I've never seen this planet before. Yep. New to um, us. It kind of has a Kajimi vibe to it uh, mm-hmm. from the, the sequels. There's stormtroopers wearing ponchos and cloaks. It's which, chilly. It is chilly, and, uh, and it almost kind of seemed like the goggles over the helmet is a weird flex to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like we're really making sure that nothing gets in your eyes. But what yeah. I kind of saw in the overcoats and the goggles was actually probably a lead up to the mud troopers in mm. uh, in, in Solo, yeah. which are the uh, kind of Imperial Army ground forces, and they've got the General Veer style open bucket, but then they wear the gas masks and the and the ponchos on the planet Mimban. So I thought that was pretty awesome, but. But most importantly, I think in this opening kind of 
establishing a couple of shots here is the hemlock conversation mm. with Nala Quick and meaty little yeah. scene right there. Mm-hmm. And essentially for what Hemlock talks with Nala Say about is he is fully onto her now at this point that she has been helping Omega the entire time, right? So he has his very, isn't it interesting how Omega samples where right? he dies it weird I hope that your hearing is excellent and right. that you have at least doubled the amount of time <laughs> it better to listen not, to what i say it better not be 2 a.m because i might put you to sleep <laughs> um but i i think what's interesting is he says that you know suspicious that all the samples that you've taken of omega have never yielded results yet the mm-hmm. first one i yielded outside of your control immediately but ding shows that it is an m count transfer confirmed for what they were looking for so i think last week we were kind of debating between being like is she force sensitive is she force pot like well midichlorian count whatever but i think what we have now confirmed is that she is her uh blood uh her body is able to transfer and accept midichlorians which might not manifest into the force but at least be able to almost like if someone was to uh kind of be like a look at it this way in vitro fertilization Mm -hmm. for someone right or a cherry or something um so i think that's interesting because you know i think there was some speculation of saying is omega you know are they giving her the force? Is, is her mutation the force? And I think more so her mutation at this point supports that she's able to accept midichlorians without her blood, her body destroying them, which would make sense if you're looking to, uh, say, build an army of people who need to hold on to midichlorians, knowing it or not, in case you were to possibly necromance yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, so then we cut back to, um, basically what I'm saying is it doesn't look good for Nalase. No, and my, my just in that moment too, now that she's caught, and you know the Batch and Omega are going to make their way back to Mount Tantus. I just picture, I wish I could go back and edit my bingo card and change mm. one of them to Nalase sacrificing herself, most ah. likely for Omega. That makes sense. That does make sense. I probably would have added that back to my bingo card. I think I'm, I think I think I have like Nalase gets it in the end, right? She's gonna she's not gonna make it, right? The Kaminoans are gone. Um, yeah. I think it's still going to happen. Uh, so they Omega basically bribes, uh, tries to bribe a spaceport gate worker, which is, you know, your classic Han Solo. I got this coaxium, let me through. Uh, and the gate worker essentially says, yeah, it's going to cost you 30,000 credits, which is a hilarious amount of money. It's given- high. It's it's high, <laughs> uh, given the fact that Luke like l- straight up screams at Han Solo in on Tatooine, saying like ten thousand, like we buy our own ship with that. Thirty thousand credits is hilarious to me. That that's and Omega was just inflation, like, but technically timeline wise, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Unless the Imperial credit just got stronger over time, right? Um, so there was there was something very, and just the fact that you know Crosshair like is like, okay, well, you know that pretty much means no, and and Omega's like, I can figure it out. Okay, sure. The kid is resourceful. Let's do it. They have to figure out how to get these thirty thousand credits, and then they go in. They they do the classic undercover. Like let's let's steal some stuff off a clothesline. We don't have dryers here on Lao. We go with the old fashioned clothesline, uh, and their outfits, the swag on mm, these costumes. Right, I like them. Very Hoth inspired. Did you get that vibe? 
I did. And there was, you know, this kind of post midnight, I'm sleepy, but I'm staying up watching this. I know they're on a cold planet. And I'm like, is it possible Hoth has like seasons? And like, because at this point, I don't think that the officer said they were on Lao, right? Okay. Yes. And I'm like, yeah. they're on a cold planet. And I wonder, and in my head, I know you have Hoth on your bingo card. And I'm like, <laughs> Mike, is this Hoth? Like, I know it's, not, it's probably not, but does Hoth have seasons or is it just sure. always a ice planet? Sure. I was just getting a little loopy past uh, midnight. It's more so the cross stitching quilted of pattern. clothes. Quilted is, yeah, that's sure. the right word. Yep. Um, that reminds us of uh, the Hoth garb. Yeah, Leia's Leia's outfit and huh, and and Luke's kind of you know and that the little hat right with the little kind of military brim and the yeah, goggles yeah. up about I'm like oh this is this is very Hoth inspired and uh, then you've got Crosshair's kind of weird like A wing style oh, I'm sorry the Y wing helmet that's almost looks like it has just the little face that points out and it's got this huge chin piece um, which I like and the fact that yeah. you cross your face I'm like things awesome yeah he needed his face covered i think pretty like substantially more than than uh, omega yeah i dig that so they go in omega does her thing if sid helps her do one thing it's teach her how to gamble and put mm-hmm. it on and put it all on black to quote matt skiba from alkaline trio um and ends up basically just running the table she runs the show until an officer comes in i think Everyone else in the cantina besides Omega knew what the what was about to happen, right? So, uh, and and I was surprised that you know Captain Man did not let her lose or did not pull something fast on her, but straight up let her win, and then said, "Gambling's illegal. <laughs> Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice." Straight up just says, "Oh yeah, you owe me because it's illegal." So she's like. Bro. Didn't he just gamble too? Right. She's like, you can't do that. <laughs> and he's like, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to throw you in jail. Yeah. And so ends up doing this, blah, blah, blah. They end up finding out that they they stole Batcher. We got to get this figured out. So they go back into probably the, uh, what would have probably broken this, this would have been the adventure of the week part that you're talking about. But I think in that process of them understanding, there's a lot of conversation between Omega and Crosshair. And I think a lot of that, the debate about it is Crosshair's ability to be able to trust her and watch her also come up with plan B and C and D, which is Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, we know Crosshair's plan B is always grab a gun and blast. Yeah. And they kind of had that conversation too, where she was just like, said something along the lines of, I don't want to hurt people, which she learned from everybody else because they're always using their stun setting on their blasters. So, um, yeah, he definitely, that's interesting though, because you know that he has that instinct to just grab a blaster but he's having some hand tremors and and missing here and there. So yeah, it's I've interesting been, that he's still his instinct is I want to shoot, but also in the back of his mind he must be like, well, I'm not as good as I used to be. Right. So, and that is an important point that I think we should talk about because you have the hand tremor part is essentially whether it's part of his degradation over time, if it's part of his advanced aging, um, but he is essentially becoming a reg as they called them. Yeah. Like you know his contributions to the team was to understand physics and was to be a sharpshooter and be able to kind of see how things were moving in space, which makes any person a good marksman. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the fact that he's got this tremor that either shakes his gun or he's not able to like aim as fast or whatever it is, it's for Crosshair, there's a huge reckoning here because he is becoming so regular 
that he can't rely on his own skills anymore, but also the fact that the Bad Batch used to call standard clones regs. And they thought not lowly of them. They saw them as brothers. That theme comes up a lot. But certainly enough that they knew that they didn't advocate for them to be decommissioned they made sure that the clones were supposed to be able to retire and they were supposed to be able to like be released and they were supposed to be able to live out their lives. But for Crosshair, it's like he was watching all this happen and still supporting the Empire in this moment. Like he got the opportunity to join the Empire and it's like he looked back and goes, man, I, I just like betrayed everybody in this sense, right? So for him to kind of have his own reckoning of going like, you know, you can still be a badass and you can still be a great marksman. But now at this point, if you're just a regular old shot, like, man, there is no one advocating for you now and you can barely protect yourself. So I yeah, think like, he's, there's in something very interesting here. And who likes Crosshair besides Omega right now? Like like we mentioned earlier, Enemy of the Empire, who's a prisoner and now he's an escape prisoner. The Batch is probably accepting, obviously, but not in good standing terms. So Omega is like all he has in this scenario right now. Right. Do you think, okay, I feel like nothing is ever, uh, well, every Things are done with purpose in Star Wars. So Crosshair's hands tremor and then the other person having hand issues or at least pulling attention to his hand is Hemlock constantly doing this sort of, you know, thing with his hand. So, like, I don't know possibly what the connection could be. I, like I don't know if it's like extracting power and putting it in Hemlock. Like, sure. is there something there between this Crosshair's hand and Hemlock's hand? I think they're actually opposite hands. I think Crosshair's. I think Hemlock's left hand is his gloved hand, and I think Crosshair's right hand is his tremor hand. So, if you are, we have patrons, we have Discord members, we have YouTube right now, so, like, if someone can confirm that they are opposite hands, there's certainly something interesting in there of what's holding that together. I like the symbolism. I like it a lot. There's just some, why would two people have hand issues, you know? Yeah. strange. I'm interested in this. Okay, so the other thing, let's talk about this. We've got this kid, you got your classic, hey, mister, hey, mister, you know, read all about it, kid in New York with the newspaper, right? Um, but he's selling fruit outside. He's got this kind of cool, like, goggles on. And I, I'm assuming this is just to keep your face warm uh, on this planet. We don't get his name, Street Kid, right? We don't get his name. But he does give some information as to where Batcher went. But like all scumbags on this planet, he's like, dude, I, I got to get a little, little chit of this. Uh, and he's selling fruit, which is mm-hmm. interesting on a planet that's very cold and seemingly desolate, which is like, you know, hey, kid, it's not that kind of movie. You know what I mean? But what's interesting about it is they look like Malurans, and the patrons are like, oh, cool, check that off the list. But he actually calls them. He calls it them Kachu or something? Kachu. Yeah. Kachu. 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 Half price. So Kachu is, are we in banana plantain territory? Like what, what's going on here? Regardless, the patrons do not get Malu runs on there because this could be a different fruit in the Star Wars universe that we do not know about. So I can hear the collective groan from them right now on their bingo card as they remove their piece. I'm sorry, physics buddy Joe. It's not the same thing. Uh, but I think it's interesting. We've got this, you know, you're kind of like feed me information, network of spies, network of people who distrust the empire, you know, this kind of like you, you understand truly that these outposts that the empire is just operating on, the people do not support 
they are not fans of them. They are struggling to survive. And I think this is where like when the, the sounds of rebellion come through later in the Star Wars galaxy uh, in the timeline, I think this is where you, you start to see little conversations, little moments like this, where some people are scumbags, no, no worries, but like certainly not loyal to the Empire. I think that was interesting. Or the kid just like dogs. <laughs> uh, so we get into this point, and I want to bring this up. We'll get into the what I'm going to call these references to this other science fiction movie that this podcast happens to love as well. But the point is, is they get in, they are, what's interesting about this is that they're shipping off all of the animals off the planet. Mm-hmm. Animals are illegal. Pets are illegal. What did he say? He said something is illegal here. On This is when he gives us the the name of the the planet. So what do you think they're doing? Why, why no animals? What is this? It's I don't know. It's, it's another really uh, makes you think moment because we go back to as Star Wars fans, whatever episode it was in one, two or three where Hemlock is mentions doing experiments on much larger creatures and stuff. Ah, so yes, is there a connection? We will see is there a connection. Okay. I like it. Um, there is something interesting about that uh, because all of the animals in the cages, uh, there's something fun about it. This is like Easter egg heaven. I knew as soon as this was going to happen, the Imperials find the crash ship originally, their shuttle that comes in. The captain comes out, basically says, I want all my credits back. I know who you are. We're going to stop you. And all the stormtroopers are like, we, fi- we figured out exactly who they are. Hemlock's coming. We know this. And uh, basically, Omega looks back and goes, okay, we're crosshair. We're going to do it your way, which he's geeked. He was like kid in a candy shop. <laughs> my pleasure. Whatever, whatever he says. Um, and so they end up getting into this big blast. Omega releases all the hounds. All the hounds, all the all the women's, all the children's, everybody gets let out, and it's just absolute pandemonium. And then they end up escaping before Hemlock arrives and says, "Follow that ship." And then, did you get a little teary eyed? Did you get a little teary eyed at this one? Because I definitely was like, "Boo!" The bad I, bat. Like, I didn't okay. necessarily. Okay. Only because when you think about it in human Earth times, uh, we only had to wait one week from last week, you know, sure. like storytelling wise, canonically, it's been months since they've seen each other. Yeah. A lot has happened, um, but we only, you know, found out about that time passing last week so i only had to wait one week to watch them get back together well that's true that's true but how long has it been since crosshair has seen them Mm, that one yeah last time crosshair had saw them was when he basically agreed not to kill them on camino as before it was bombed right Mm, that would be season one that can't be right yeah uh yeah i think i think that's what happened it's possible Uh, it's, it's, it's entirely possible. Uh, so we, we get this moment, this really beautiful moment where they actually land on, uh, we've seen this planet before. This is actually where they helped get the weapons to, do we call them Rylothians? Yeah, I think it's a, uh, yeah, that sounds right. Because I know like, you know, if we're going to- Citizens gonna, of Ryloth. Yeah, Citizens of Ryloth, right? So um, the basically starting off the in season one, they deliver, uh, what was this? Oh, OG, what was his what was his name? Oh my gosh, this is bad. We have a Star Wars podcast, uh, but but the Bad Batch deliver these weapons to help with uh, defend Ryloth, 
And of course, all Twi'lek, there's more than just Twi'leks who live on Ryloth. Uh, but most importantly, we've seen this planet before. It's on one of the moons of Ryloth. Beautiful orange planet in the background. So rad. And then we already see, they're, they're pulling in. We see the Havoc Marauder right there. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. Um, Crosshair tells Omega as she sends out the long-range beacon. This is the coordinates. He says they could be dead. So he truly, like, Crosshair has no idea has no idea that I don't think at this, I think at this point he knows that tech is gone or I'm sure that they, I think they told him that tech had been killed and his friends too or whatever. Uh, so he has no idea if they're gone. Shows up, sees the Havoc Marauder there. Wrecker is the first one to see her. They hug, she cries, he has tears. Hunter comes out trying to be as smooth as he can. He's not smooth. He's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, okay? And then... Crosshair, we, she, they look up and they're like, who helped you? Yeah. <laughs> and Crosshair walks out and they're like, uh, what? <laughs> um, but that, I do that, like the line too of them saying like, we crossed the galaxy four time, four or five times looking for you and you're the one and then you wound up finding us. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That is, that was beautiful. Um, but to see Crosshair there, that, that I don't want to, I mean, it's tension, right? There's a lot of unsaid emotion going on between those those three right and uh for omega that has largely been kind of the mediator between all of them it's pretty like oh man it cut at the right time for dramatic television 100 mm -hmm. but i was like oh give me to next week yeah. so i think i think to have in this point of the show knowing how shows are made i think having it cut this way and having the Bad Batch reunited in the, this most complete form by episode four, technically two. Um, I think it was the right move. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, we have 11 episodes left and there's a couple of double episode weeks. I think there's two double episode weeks, I want to say. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's four episodes in, but it's really only two weeks in now that we have a full, you know, as far as, I mean, does Echo come back into play? Oh, I hope so. Maybe Rex. I really hope so. You know, but for now, it seems like the crew is going to be, I mean, what what comes next? Do you think they're, why do they have to go back to Mount Tantus if they're together? Hmm. Rescue Nalase? Like, what is, what oh, damn. is the reason? iPhone is like, dude, we want you to go back to Tannis. Thumbs up. Um, I, I, I think we have to. I think at some point, either Omega is going to go, we have to protect Nalase, or they find out what's happening there, or, or, or Omega is basically has to break it to the Bad Batch that she knows what they've been planning all along. Um, maybe this is, there's something's going to happen that's going to draw them back. Uh, we know that the TX, the special trooper, is going to still be involved. Um, there, there's just so many things still on the table, I think. that we I mean, Asajj Ventress. Like, Asajj Ventress. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's so much. So I want to really wonder if those wind up being uh, flashbacks. Yeah. At this point, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it could be very, well, Project Necromancer. Like, let's try to bring Asajj back. Does it work? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we're not going to speculate, but certainly that is interesting. I like that. Uh, a couple of things for our discussion before we jump into our mm. mini den of antiquities is we talked about the MCOT transfer, which is important. And what was interesting about Nalase, I know we didn't talk about this in our notes at the time, but Nalase saying that this false positive, this M count transfer could have been a aberration, which clinically 
dictionarily says that it is almost an unwelcomed change, break from normal, whatever this is. Uh, so while we know that the clones have def defects that uh, either were mutated that way, we'll have to listen to exactly what they say in the first couple episodes of season one, but um, the clones themselves, uh, I think were done on purpose or at least encouraged to mutate or encouraged to just be different or whatever their mm -hmm. mutations were. But it kind of seems like Omega was an accident. You and I talked about this a little yeah. bit. You know, an I aberration. Mean, that, that line maybe opens the door. For me, there's two uh, two things there. Nalase could be just lying to protect Omega, saying she was an aberration, she wasn't mutated. Yep. Or she or the opposite. It was a freak accident, but then there would also be Emery. So there's two accidents <laughs> um, of female clones being uh, made. So mm. I don't know. It's interesting. I could see Nala say just she's clearly lying because she's saying it's an aberration and she's not saying that she was covering anything up. She's just saying hey, it happens, you know? Right. And then also the other part of that lie could be, oh, yeah, she was a mistake too. You know, Omega right. was a mistake also. So we don't know yet. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting choice of words. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, so let's also look at the fact that as we get into, uh, I, I, is there anything else that we think is like the most important part of this seemingly adventure of the week, but very much a character development moment? No, we uh, covered everything as we were kind of doing that right. little overview there. But th this this just felt like a very, it felt like a really great, I remember in some of the other episodes, uh, you know, where season two had one, season one had one, where you kind of, doesn't have this emotional pull at, you know, you go, okay, that was an adventure of the week episode. And you're kind of like, ah, it's fine. It was fun. It was fun. Like, yay. You know, but, but this one, this one felt worth it to me um, yeah. to have this, this moment. And I'm sure the ending had a little bit to do with it, but all in all, I think just knowing that this is the final season that they are definitely making choices to kind of support uh, what I think is going to be, the final development of these characters to see how they interact, to see where they're supposed to be, all of that. So all in all, I think this was a great episode, but we'll talk about that. And I love you, I know. But for now, I'm going to hit this Den of Antiquities button. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. It is the dark Satan. Oh gosh! It's a Calicori. a Sith wayfinder, dark science, cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. I did it. Wow, I love. Pretty it. good. I hit that. I hit. I hit that button with purpose, which I like. Uh, I can see why Adam has a lot of fun doing this. Um, first of all, 
Mini Den of Antiquities in a, I always love, whenever there's a busy scene, I always feel like this is an opportunity for the animators to have a lot of fun, right? Uh, and I found a couple of, besides the cashew instead of a Malu run, which we can argue at this point, there are more, more fruits or veggies in the planets, in the galaxies of Star Wars besides one. So that's not really a <laughs> Den of Antiquities. The one thing I did notice, so we get into the uh, cantina bar, nightclub, whatever we want to call it. I think Cantina works. And I noticed that Hem Dazen's, you know who this is, Nick? No. <laughs> this is one of those Star Wars characters that like, you know, the only reason we know they have a name is because of some, uh, you know, bubblegum trading card. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the triangle-headed characters with the glowing eyes that kind of pops up in A New Hope. Uh, they are called the Arcona species, and the one that we saw in Moss Eisley was named Hem Dazen. Oh, wow, so, okay. I'll throw that in. Uh, Star Wars trivia coming up, I'm sure, May 4th. Maybe that's a good one to throw in. Uh, but there was a species of them in the background, which I thought was kind of funny, and a model that kind of looked like Emery, which I'm like, ah, eh, maybe... You know, animators are like, save it on the other budget. Uh, we didn't get to see... There wasn't anything special about the Trandoshan that she was playing the first time, but I did think that was kind of a funny callback to Sid that like mm. she's got the one like over that. on Sid, right? So it's kind of mm. like, you know, she was out in the wild playing against a Trandoshan. It was not Sid teaching her how to play. Mm. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a little maturation example there. The cups that they're serving in the cantina are the classic Tupperware sweet saver, classic A New Hope, white, plastic cup fill it up with blue milk and a new hope exactly because i did not see that yeah 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 so i think they've they've had those in there a couple of times i think at this point there is a generic asset list and white white tupperware sweet savers from the 19 uh, early 1970s i think is on the list and they're using it so i like that um i did notice the three Eastern, the Eastern star, she automatically wins, <laughs> right? Did you get like, were those intentionally colored like Sabine's armor? Did I mean, you, they look like you, it. Yeah. yeah for for I, a show that is so drab, when you see color, it's hard not to recognize it. That's uh, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, dang, that's very like Sabine, Sabine ran. So I thought, I don't know if that was a specific, but the purple and the, and the painted kind of roughed up yellow, I was like, that's, that's got to be a nice little. Nice little throwback there. Uh, and I also noticed the imperial pill shape, right? We see this all the time. The Death Star walls, as a lot of people refer to it, uh, were all over in the gated dock. But they had very apparent, and I don't know if this is an asset reused, but they were very, very much Mandalorian Iron Hearts, the triangle with the box in it. As soon as I pointed that out, you were like, oh, whoa. Yeah, Interesting. So Imperial on the inside, Mandalorian on the out. Like, what were they made out of Beskar? Was this a way to keep animals in? Like, what was this? It could have just been an asset reuse, right? That could, Those could have been somewhere that they used from the Siege of Mandalore, whatever that was. But the important part is, like, that, that, that shape in Star Wars now is very meaningful. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I don't... Um, I mean, speculate for a second. I mean, what that was involved a lot of animals and creatures... Like, besides like a mythosaur, is there any Mandalorian animal you could think that they might have been like capturing? I, I have no know. idea. I have no <laughs> idea. But anyways, there's something to bring on. Maybe we'll ask a couple of people that we know that worked on the show and they might have just said, oh, dude, we were just running out of time. We just needed to put something cool there. And I would have gone, honestly, that's fine. But that won't stop me from making up ridiculous claims on the internet. So that's their fault. Um, the other part that I thought was really funny was the very first 
<laughs> the very first crate that one of the, the stormtroopers picks up to move has none other than what iconic sequel sound, Nick? That's a Porg. That is a Porg. That is a Porg. So once again, this show is jumping all the way to the sequels, and they have put a Porg sound, whatever that is, uh, that there was a Porg, maybe a couple of Porgs in that box, which I thought was awesome. Now we are going to get into my favorite part, which is the Jurassic Park references. I see that people in the YouTube comments are already like, we picked that up. We totally got that. And I love this. The biggest thing for me is that we look at, okay, so we have the, you know, we'll get into it. But one of the first things I noticed was the gates walking into the actual spaceport had those stone columns, the iconic Jurassic Park gate, right? Uh, I thought I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's what it reminded me of. And then as we get inside, there, uh, we Omega goes and releases all of the animals, right? Before this, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. That gate, and they have a crane that's moving large crates around, reminded me straight up when they were moving the velociraptors through the gates and through the cages, trying to get them into the raptor paddock. And you just see it shaking, and you hear that sound, and there's just a and it's trying to move in. You know, I was like, that. that is exactly straight out of Jurassic Park, right? And then double down, triple down, quadruple down. Omega hits the button, releases all of these animals, and none other than almost to a T, besides the head shape, tannish, ostrich-looking animals that were exactly like the running of the Gallimimus when Tim and Lex and Alan Grant watch the T-Rex kind of come out of the trees and crush one of them. And they're behind the, you know, they're behind the log and it's jumping over. Yeah. They run like, they're running like a herd. Yeah, well, I think they're running right towards us. <laughs> uh, so that was totally, I picked that up right away. They looked exactly like them. And for all the people who are kind of saying, well, maybe, 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 the sound that one of those animals makes as it walks by is the coo, the curiosity coo of a Dilophosaurus. Straight out of Jurassic Park, I remember that sound because none other than the uh, stickiest, grossest uh, dinosaur in all of the original Jurassic Park, killing Dennis Nedry, right? None other than Newman himself. Hello, Newman. Uh, that that sound, that little that it makes absolutely straight out of the Lucasfilm sound archive. I thought that was awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised, of course, to, I think, tying into sequel trilogy again, the, uh, the you think too, I think we both confirmed this, the doors open, just yeah. let man get picked off. And I thought it was the same as you, which is... A Rathtar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it could be you would have liked to have seen a Rathtar, but I also can't imagine that's worth animating because that thing's crazy looking. Right, for sure. There's a lot Crazy of eyes for like thing. that one scene. So you might as well just <laughs> right. throw a tentacle out there. Yeah, yeah. And the tentacle kind of has that like suction. It's kind of almost like, like a squid scoop on it. You know, it like grabs him and pulls it back in. But that also kind of felt like I thought we were going to see some T-Rex looking thing come out. And, you know, but regardless, I thought that was uh, that was pretty awesome. So, yeah, I think uh, I, for the Den of Antiquities, I was actually surprised that we were able to chew through it. Um, and I think yeah. for people who have asked about this, the Den of Antiquities, it is hard to 
get multiple rewatches uh, where you see it. And I know that some people have said, oh man, I wish you guys would do the deep dives. Our patrons do a crazy deep dive on some of this stuff because some of them get more time to watch it. Uh, but please, as always, if you want to join our Patreon and be part of the discussion, it's a lot of fun to see where cycles or where assets are reused or where people recognize things from other other shows. It's awesome. It's probably one of my favorite things about when a new episode comes out when people get to chew through it. So uh, Patreon on Think the Maker would be awesome. Please join us on there. Uh, I think we have to get into I Love You, I Know, man. I want to yeah. talk about the parts that we love most, and I want to know, uh, do we have some some Discord, uh, some patron comments? Do we have any any love on there? I will say that I love this comment from Stacey Leanne. It says, is Wait, it no, 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 no. What? Let me hit the button. Oh, you got it, you got it. I love you. I know. That's nice. That's real nice. Okay. Yeah. Now, now. Gotta get the sound. Buttons. I love you. I know. Uh, Tell me so Stacey it. Leanne says, is Omega going to be the one to push the button that opens all the clone cell doors? <sighs> Foreshadowing. I love that. Ooh. Love that. I like that. I'm on board for that. What else we got? So Sky's the Limit says, I know I say this every episode, but I love Omega. She is the heart of the series, and I might even say of this era of Star Wars. Her Ooh. reunion with boys had me crying tears of pure joy in public, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, in the Shadows of the Empire says, I'm really interested to see how they play the dynamic between Crosshair and Hunter Wrecker. Yeah. So are they still going to be like bitching at each other or is Crosshair just going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm back, baby. That's a good point. I'm back. Here we go. Good point. I guess he was never really like, what would he be coming back from? Because he was kind of a jerk really in the first episode right away. Then, yeah, Once yeah. he saw, in the first episode of the series, when he saw Hunter let Caleb go, he was a jerk from right. that point on. You it's knew that something was wrong. Soldiers follow orders. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Nick, what do you um, think about for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, easy choice because, like I said earlier, it seemed I was wondering if it was going to be an adventure of the week. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you pull back the curtain a little bit and you see that it was a character development and a relationship development episode, Crosshair and Omega, um, and then you see the reunion at the end, the reunion is the best part. I love seeing Wrecker cry because he's just a big... You know, emo, teddy bear, teddy bear, jock, yeah. whatever you want to call him. Yeah, <laughs> He's all yeah. those things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, I, I don't know how else to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else I would pick. I like that. I love it. I think in my side of things, my favorite part of um, looking at this entire thing, I find crosshairs his that moment today of him recognizing that he's not the crosshair that he thought he was that omega has always done things her own way or she does things differently than him that moment for me um is for him to realize that like he is not have his skill set that makes him unique anymore uh that's probably it was it was tiny barely saw it i think when people go and rewatch it you'll see that he kind of almost looks like his hand like a fraction of a second right i think that was my favorite moment because like what that means for crosshair in the future is a crazy development so i think that was my favorite takeaway from this episode but i love a good chaotic uh 1990s film moment and so <laughs> letting out all of the creatures yeah. to just cause utter chaos is my actual favorite part of this episode <laughs> but uh, you know, um, yeah. So I, I think all in all, uh, for this episode, this is going to be one of those uh, you look back and you might rewatch it just for the the final moment, just to get that that big hug. Uh, but uh, all in all, for me, 
this season, the weight of this season, it just feels heavy, man. It just feels like we know because we know that it's going to be the series finale. We know how D. Bradley Baker has talked about it. Uh, there is a lot riding on this, and there's so many opportunities mm. they can take with it. I'm I, every week at this point gets me excited to figure out like how much further they're going to progress. Mm-hmm. the show we know that asaj ventress is in it uh I, i'm very interested to see who else shows up uh our bingo cards i don't think are we talking about bingo cards yet because we also can go through and qu- i don't think we got uh, any i think we're ready to talk about bingo cards okay. and all that we can say is nobody got any <laughs> dang that was a strikeout today okay okay everybody okay. swing and a miss Okay, so our bingo, uh, this is kind of one of those ones where you're playing bingo and someone calls out a number and everyone kind of looks around at each other and they go, uh, yeah, they're like, next, pick next a, number. Yeah, yeah, pick a new number. Right, so uh, next episode. We'll get a next episode in about a week. We will watch it. We will see who wins the bingo. Uh, and I think that pretty much does it. We, we're at, Nick, just you and I were able to get to almost an hour. I'm very proud of us. We talked about an episode that was... Because we talked about Bayside for like the first 10 minutes. That's okay. For me personally, <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. Uh, so definitely let us know what else is uh, what else is coming up. I think we have a couple things uh, on the horizon for our other mm. little project that we do called uh, Mash Isley. Yep. Uh, and and that's pretty exciting. And sooner than later, uh, San Diego will be on sale. Yep. And then probably about a month later, Atlanta will be on sale. Yeah. So just keep an eye on all those socials. Sure. And uh, reminder last year, San Diego Comic Con weekend, Mosh Eisley sold out. So right. we're going to assume it's going to sell out again. So right. if that at all frightens you into buying tickets quicker, good. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Uh, but we're super excited. We're actually testing out a couple ideas that we'll talk about uh, soon uh, to kind of make that experience fresh, make it exciting for people, uh, making sure that we, you know, I think the, the a lot of people have gotten the merch. They're excited about that. They like the idea. They go and collect a shirt, collect a poster from the show. So we'll make sure that we do all that. And I'm super excited about that. So uh, like and subscribe. We can't tell you enough how much we're trying to grow the YouTube page. So if you could like, make sure you like the stream. We have a lot of people that like love to comment and be a part of the stream, but they don't like the stream, which you have to do. That helps us, right? Uh, and we also have a couple other, we kind of got a big thing coming up in the in a couple of weeks that we are going to talk about. Um, and that's exciting. That? We can't talk about it because Adam's not here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, that thing. Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, there is a yeah. thing. Yeah, it's cool. It's exciting, uh, and we're we're pretty stoked about that. So, uh, lots of great things. Make sure that you are buying your tickets to come see Bayside in your town, in your vicinity, within your large metropolitan region, in your state. Uh, maybe cross state lines if you need to. So, with that being said, Nick, is there anything else you want to add? Good job, Mike. That's what I want to add. Dude, thank you so much. I hit all these buttons really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit this outro and I'm going to do this because Adam made this whole video for me. It makes it super easy. So, um, Nicholas, I love you. I will love talk you. To you very soon. And see you, everyone. May the force be with you guys. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod, where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. 
Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible. 